0: Alright everyone, welcome back. Today in the show we have Ryan Barrick, who you may know as that young ski bum on Instagram. In this episode we get a breakdown of the Ski Bum lifestyle, what it's like to live in an RV, how much it costs per year, how you even make the leap in the first place, basically everything from top to bottom. In terms of housekeeping, we got the usual suspects. Subscribe and give us a rating if you like the show. Follow us on Instagram at Pod, and be sure to stick around until the end of this episode because Ryan gives some info about the Mill Bastards movie premiere happening this November in Salt Lake City. That's all for now. Hope you like it. All right. So here we are with another episode in the fall, and we are here with Ryan Barrick, commonly known as that young ski bum on Instagram. (laughs) What up? Yeah, so... I, I still am not releasing the videos yet. Um, everybody, let me know if you guys want the videos because Ryan's background right now is sick. He's in an RV. So I don't know, just tell us where you're at right now before we kind of get into who you are and, and all those stories.
1: I'm in an awesome little town of Hood River, Oregon, pretty close to Mount Hood. I live full time in this RV. I have a Subaru that I use when I'm in Oregon when I'm, like, going to and from work or grocery store and stuff, so I don't have to move the RV as much, but when I tell my friends I'm going home after, like, a weekend on the coast or something, I come back to this RV.
0: Yeah, word. So where's, like,
1: part. <laughs> yeah,
0: so where's, like, home base home base for you? Like, where Where do you keep your stuff? Like, where are your parents at? Where? Where's home base for you?
1: Uh, my parents live in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I do have a lot of stuff there still, but I've been on the West Coast for four years now. Only going back for quick flights home for Christmas and stuff, or random urban trips if it snows.
0: Word. So you're so you're Pennsylvania kid. Let's start out like, where did it all begin for you?
1: Uh, ski Roundtop, if you've ever heard of it. Wallace came for a few events back in the day, but yeah, just a small resort on the East Coast, like ten slopes, couple lifts, one park probably the size of a football field if that but just packed full of rails
0: yeah so you're 24 we were talking about this before so were you it like did you ever cross paths with steve step while he was still there
1: yes i want to say it would have been maybe he called like first couple years of college for him but when he would come home for christmas he'd just randomly show at Roundtop for like a weekend or something and like it would go crazy kids would be all over people would come from other resorts like yo have you guys seen Steve Stubb and he'd just be like this like quiet like he'd always have a camera dude with him and like he'd, he'd like kind of venture off and like try and get away from the kids and stuff like that but yeah me and my buddy Derek or Iceberg Simpson we grew up and he would come back and also Josh Wong And yeah, like he would ski with the the three of us and we'd make a few little edits, but nothing crazy.
0: Dude, that's so awesome. I can't even imagine like Steve being my hometown pro. That's super sick. It's so
1: crazy. Just like, cause he would come home at like the first year he would be like normal Steve, like all kidded Saga and Spy. And then the second year he came home was like right around like Zane Cushman and all that. So like he was vaping the whole time and just like, you couldn't tell if he was being serious or just, like, in his persona or not. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> Dude, that's wicked funny. So what, like, sparked your interest in skiing? Where did, where did that side of you come from?
1: Uh, I think it was just the – you could, like, you could be completely on your own trying to, like, accomplish it or, like, you didn't need a whole team or anything to show up. You could just go – But with it being such a small resort where I grew up, I was seven minute drive to my house at night and you'd go up there and you wouldn't even text anybody and you'd have like three chair full of kids to ride with. And it was just something I, I think my parents put me on skis when I was two for just like one time. And then me and my brother picked it up at like 13 or 14. And then I actually snowboarded for four years. I learned to ski then snowboarded for four years and then switched back and I haven't snowboarded since.
0: Yeah. Did you ever dabble in any other sports or were you always like just on the mound?
1: I did all kinds of sports. It's actually was, I've done everything. I did like little motocross when I was a kid, hockey, wrestling, soccer, all the normal sports. And then like, I don't know, I feel like just the little kid watching X games and all that was just such a big thing, but I was never that great at skateboarding and I'm, all my friends went skiing and we were that close to a ski resort. So I think it just worked out that way.
0: That's awesome, man. So like, I think that like a, a big pattern I've noticed is that, you know, leaving high school is the big turning point for a lot of people that get into the ski industry. So what what were your plans coming out of high school? Did you think you want, I don't know if you, did you go to college? Did you want to go to college? Like what were what were you thinking at that time?
1: I, I went to college I never thought I wouldn't finish college but I went to I applied to two places University of Utah and Colorado Mountain College of Steamboat Springs and I only got into one of those (laughs) so I went to Colorado but it's great like thinking back then like I only went to where I knew I wanted to ski I didn't even think about school or anything growing up like pretty wealthy like not wealthy family but like I never had to think about things growing up and I just thought where I wanted to go skiing and I didn't like didn't think much of it and yeah just I went there did 6 months one semester and I was just like I am not skiing enough that and I like I couldn't waste my parents money getting like D's not really passing passing the classes so I moved back home for like another I think I went to college for another semester just to see if I could do another community college and not worry about spending my parents' money. And then I just kept every day sitting in an evening class being like, oh, I'm like, as soon as I leave here, I'm going to the resort. I didn't even think about homework. I didn't think about anything else. It was just go skiing. And I just couldn't stay motivated to do something where I was spending money and not really succeeding at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, so obviously you weren't like super stoked about school when you were imagining or when you were thinking about skiing, was it like, oh, I want to be a pro or is it, was it literally, I just want to go skiing right now. And that's the only thing I want to do.
1: I never coming from the East coast and like growing up, all there was, was Steve Stepp and Tom Wallace. That's two people out of all the skiers you ever meet. So I never in my entire life pictured myself ever becoming a professional skier or anything like that so I just was like screw it I'm gonna go ski like you can live that life without it you just gotta learn to you know put your money where you want it and not spend it on things you're like oh that Amazon package or whatnot it's like oh I could go skiing for a week with that money
0: yeah dude and so when you're failing your classes and like you're going to community college what were you thinking at the time and like what were your parents thinking at the time because that's definitely like so, like other people view that and they're like oh yeah this kid's like going down the drain like this isn't working out like what were, what was going on in your inner circle when you, when that was happening to you
1: uh my parents definitely weren't that stoked on it and just like I mean both my parents are small town f- small farming town you go to college you you know like simple normal life of you meet somebody you get married and you do all that and that I feel like my like skiing to my parents has never been anything other than an activity. It's not like, Oh, you could make money or you could do this or people will know you from all over the world. Or especially with the internet coming out, my parents are like late or mid fifties. So they're on the older side. So they don't understand Instagram and stuff like that. So just like the way it went and just like not having good grades. I was just like, I just ended up talking to my mom. I was like, this, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to waste your money. Like, I'm just going to go do this. And she just, my parents just said, well, if you're going to do this, we're not going to give you any money. They're going to support me in any way they can, but they weren't, they didn't see any financial gain out of it or anything. So they were just like, yeah, you're on your own. And that's when this crazy trip to Oregon kind of changed my life.
0: Yeah. So did they give you a timeline at all? Like, okay, Maybe do this for six months and then come back and like start start doing a real job, or was it just like open ended? You're just gonna do whatever you want for the foreseeable future.
1: I don't think it. I don't think it. I th- it probably would have came to that, but I, like I I was just there was like a weird six months where I was just like it was almost fall, like it was end of the summer. I was working at a subway, just buying car parts, working on my Subaru, living at home, and. All I all I got to this point was I'm saving three grand packing all my shit into my car and driving to Mount Hood for Spring Pass. So I think them thinking I was coming home from that, that's probably when I would have got that talk, but that ended up never happening because I never ended up coming home from that Spring pass.
0: So let's hear it. So what happened with this with the trip to Oregon that that changed the course of your life?
1: <laughs> crazy, crazy, fun times. Um if you ever have a chance to go to spring pass at hood it's definitely definitely a thing you need to do um i drove from pennsylvania to, to oregon i stopped at colorado and utah seeing some friends but mostly was on my way to spring pass and i got there and it was so sick there was hundreds of kids people I like just from going through Colorado and Utah that I was like yo I'm on my way to spring pass they're like oh sweet like semester ends soon like we'll be there soon as well so just like all the kids I met like in the big scene like Summit County and then Salt Lake after just rolling through there everybody ended up at spring pass so spent a month out at spring pass that's where I linked up with Owen and Lupe and that's ultimately where I met Lupe but just an insane amount of kids that go to hood to sleep in the woods and ski for an entire month. And everybody's just bumming it. You're making pizzas in the woods. You're freaking 12 people on a car going to some lookout to smoke a bunch of weed. Like it's just the craziest time. And the amount of people I met that are just like core to the industry or just core people in general, just like From everywhere there was kids that were eight deep in a van that were from vermont the whole way in oregon like it's just a crazy time
0: yeah so like after you met lupe and owen and like what was just going through your mind at the time like what were you thinking because obviously you're exposed like a a whole new world and you see like how big the ski industry is what were you thinking at that point
1: i just knew that as much as there are ski resorts in a lot of rail jams on the east coast and stuff like that i just it seemed like everybody out west was die hard like i'm gonna drive five states to go to this and then like like everywhere i went i didn't even need to know your name i just remembered faces and i was like yo spring pass and like (laughs) you would know it was just like the craziest thing
0: yeah and so what were your next steps from there because obviously like i'm assuming you're like oh yeah this was a great choice And so just where did it evolve from there? How did you build on that experience?
1: So it was a crazy story because back growing up with Iceberg, my best friend from high school, Derek Simpson, he actually has an uncle that lives out here in Hood River. And we came out here in like 2010 in the summer, like July, like over July 4th or something. And that was my first experience ever of being out West and on a huge mountain and skiing in the summertime so I just like knowing that in my head and then knowing like what I was going to travel to spring pass and like just those two events in my life being such crazy and powerful things I just like when I came back out I met him again and he owns a sawmill and he was just like hey I need workers like if you want to stay I got you and I actually lived on a boat that he got for free That's from the eighties. It's this crate. It looks like an RV inside, like master bedroom, kitchen, like all that. And he's like, yeah, I'll let you live on this until you like get, get some money after working for me. So I ended up staying living on this boat in the Marina and just working at a sawmill until I bought an RV.
0: So that was the start of you, of you setting up shop out there and just like building a new life basically.
1: Yeah. I had $700 to either drive back to PA or like figure out how, to get a job and a place to stay
0: yeah did you have a tight crew back in in Pennsylvania or were you just like ready to meet new people and do whatever
1: I had a tight crew but it's just like that time in your life where everyone's going different directions for college and some kids were going places where there was no ski resorts and people some people were still going where there was and it was just like this thing where I knew I wanted to ski so if those friends still skied or even if they don't ski and want to talk to me, like I I didn't shun them or anything, but like the friends that still skied, I definitely stayed much tighter with.
0: Yeah, of course. Dude, a sawmill, that's, that's a no joke job. You know, that's like some actual (laughs) like proper manual labor. And so did you have jobs like that beforehand or was this like your new exposure to like, damn, like this is hard work on my body. (laughs) I
1: like my dad built a small hunting cabin in Pennsylvania and I helped him for a few years so just like the like put your head down and work kind of jobs weren't new to me so I just thought sawmill if I just crank a bunch of hours I can save money for the winners
0: yeah yeah dude that's that's super tight so like how long did you stick with that job for because I feel like you live kind of a nomadic lifestyle so I can't imagine you being in one place for like super long
1: well it's crazy I I only ever worked that job in the summers and it's I've done it for three of the four summers I've lived in Oregon. Yeah. So usually I'm very lucky that I, in, when it comes to November and I tell him, yeah, I'm going to be gone for six, seven months. He's very cool with that.
0: Yeah. And then when
1: I get back to Hood River in May, he's like, yeah, if you need job, like hours, I need you.
0: Yeah. That's so awesome. You
1: kind of work hard. it It works out in life.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that first, so you worked that summer and so, What was it like your first winter coming off like that, that summer, you know, building up cash all summer and then winter finally comes around. You're like, all right, peace out. I'm going around. Like, what was that first winter like out there?
1: Uh, It was sick. It was I actually didn't spend the winter here in Hood River. Uh, I got a small loan from a construction guy I worked with who was friends with the uncle who owns the sawmill very confusing I I work a lot of small little jobs but he actually like he sat me down and he saw that I was having trouble getting like five six thousand dollar loans from banks and he was like well what if I be the bank and I give you a loan and I was like that's awesome like you know I'll pay you, you like all my mail comes to your house right now so yeah so he gave me a loan I got an RV and that winter I went to Colorado I went to Summit County because that's where the scene still was at the time
0: yeah and were you meeting anyone out there in particular are you just like yep that's where that's where it's at that's where I'm going
1: um I had a few friends that went to school close by but we would just meet on the weekends and and actually when I went to Steamboat Springs for one semester that's actually where I met, met Owen and Owen was in Summit by then so I was hanging out with Owen and then a bunch of other guys i met and then colorado at the time just like keystone you g- went there by yourself like i would just sleep in the parking lot like the shuttle parking lot at keystone and every day i would just ride the bus to the main lift and go up and i'd like you didn't again you didn't need to text anybody you just go up there and that's like the place to be
0: yeah and it's a bummer that that's changed a lot from what i've heard but yes it has it's sad it's very sad <laughs> dude so at that time who was who was based at it based in summit like what years are we talking this would have been
1: 2017 18 i think or eighteen nineteen. Mm-hmm. i think seventeen, eighteen. yeah that's when that should have been yeah so like all the mole like mole squad was still mole squad they were up in the apartments in silverthorne lupe was in summit uh I don't like just everybody all the camps were coming there still all the teams it was just a big like that's one of the places where I met I met the Dali for the first time and he's one dude who inspired me a lot to go to the RV lifestyle
0: yeah so you were out there with all those guys were you trying to carve your your spot in skiing at all like were you thinking about specializing you know oh maybe I'll You know, maybe I'll pick up a camera. Like, maybe I'll try to be in front of the camera. Maybe I'll, you know, be a social media guy. Like, were you trying to carve out your specialty or were you just there for the ride?
1: I was just there to get as good as I could at skiing. I just knew that some people have insane ability to just huck themselves and like some people are sketchy about it. Some people can do that and look so amazing. And I just knew that I wasn't a big jump guy and I wasn't, I didn't have a, big resort to go to so my big thing was just skiing every single day my resort growing up on the east coast was open like 90 some days a season and there was multiple seasons where i missed a few days and some of those days were only days i got kicked out of so like i think i always was like oh the more days you can touch rails and learn those tricks and do those tricks a million times you're just gonna get better
0: and so were you uh did you end up joining owen's uh steam boys I haven't done much research on the Steam Boys, but it seems like that timeline would kind of match up. I definitely was probably one of the
1: last last inductees of the Steam Boys for sure. And I was honored to be a part of that crew. All those guys are awesome.
0: Yeah. And so what were those, what were those days like? And what was just like the dynamic between all you guys?
1: It's just like, it was cr- like everybody in the Steam Boys was like Mikey's from Jersey, Robbie. If you know Robbie Brown, he's just an amazing human being. Just like this cast of crew is just like from all over the place, but just like this one love of like skiing and Steamboat Springs is such a small little town that like in that college, if you went there, you like met the diehard people very quickly.
0: Yeah, and did you guys know that Owen had talent? Because like obviously Owen's gone on to like you know he was he was in X Games, you know, as a filmer so like did you guys know that he had a special talent or was it just like oh yeah this dude's dope he was
1: definitely like always in my eyes the best filmer like i like i ever had there was always filmers that like had amazing cameras or like had like just like all the money that they needed for setups or editing software or whatnot but owen was always that dude who like even after like the edits done or like he's st- like onto to the next thing, and like he's always like, oh, like what should we do next? What do we do? Like, and he always, while he's doing everything, he, like his eye for filming is unreal. You'll be standing at a spot, and he'll be like, have his eye in his camera, just like doing something. And you're like, what are you doing, and He's like, yo, I got this sick shot. Like, you'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just super mysterious. He's like, nah, just yeah, trust. trust. <laughs> like,
1: and and some things he'll just be like, yeah, I'm just like fucking around, trying this new thing, and then you're like see it when he's editing it and you're like dang dude like how did you even know that those things would go together
0: yeah were you ever an, an urban guy cuz i know a lot of your clips come from the park were, were you guys ever get out on the streets or you just stick into the resorts
1: um as a kid younger i there was like maybe one or two spots a year just pennsylvania wasn't a big snowy place and winches to me weren't a thing yet the first time i ever really hit urban and tried to film something was with Owen in college It was just a simple rail. It was like, yeah. And I don't even know if I got the clip. I think some, like one of the other homies got the clip, but I was just like, dang, this, some of this is like way not like, it's not just a down flat
0: rail. There's like fences and stairs and like, you can get fucked up. Yeah. Well, so that's what I was thinking, dude. Cause you're coming from the East coast. I'm an East coast guy myself. Like, were you ever intimidated by the gnarliness of like the mountains out West, the terrain and just how gnarly the skiers out there are?
1: Definitely. Definitely took until I came out west to like be standing on a slope side and be scared just where I'm standing Uh normally that's not a thing like rail like comes the rails like you're scared when you're on the rail and you're not like you're you're like straddling it that's when you're most terrified
0: yeah so like where does it where does it evolve from you because I uh, there's no like clear point in my mind at least where it's like like a before and after like a oh you made it and, like, this was, like, leading up to that, like, what, where did your route kind of evolve from there, and what have you, like, sort of developed in skiing, just being out there for four years now?
1: I kind of just was making park videos, traveling with friends, just, like, trying to do whatever we could do to, you know, put ourselves out there, like, made a tall tee edit with my buddy Tyler earlier this season, and just, like, I, like, I really had no, like, I don't have, like, all I knew is I wanted to ski and that's like, wherever it goes from there, like, if I get into a company or I, I start a, a ski company or something like that, I just, I didn't know. I just knew that if I skied and I got as good as I could, no matter what, I could figure something out later in life.
0: Dude, I love it. It's such like a, you're, you're honestly like, I like we were talking about before, I've interviewed like a lot of different people. But your mindset is just so different from everyone else's. It's like it's every like a lot of other people are very cerebral about it. They're like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to accomplish this and we're going to get it done. And you're just like, yeah, man, if it happens, great. If not, whatever. <laughs> Have you always been that way? It's just like kind of go with the flow.
1: I would like to think so, at least with life. Like I don't like to slack off or anything. Like, I like, I don't know if it's my ADHD or whatnot, but I just like, I always like to stay busy and it's like skiing is so easy to stay busy because it's something I love more than anything. Like the feeling of being in the middle of a trick and not thinking about anything else in the world and then landing that and knowing like, oh, my hands were next to me. My feet were together. And like, I'm on to the next thing. Like that is life.
0: Yeah. It seems like you're a pretty introspective guy and you've chosen this unique path what do you think about your path versus what a lot of what basically everyone else does
1: I just try to stay true to myself and what I can do and what capabilities I have like it's it's just hard to see it's like I know like it's just hard because some people will tell you like oh I'm a skier and I'm going to be here forever and then a couple years down the line you're like oh well, where did this person go and it's just like I understand if like you were making the, all this money and all of a sudden those people didn't want to back you or something. And now you're like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I was once this, and now it's like demoted to what I, like now I have to go buy my stuff and do all that. And it's just like, I like, if I can support myself to go skiing winter after winter, why, like, I don't see why I would want to like have to listen to other people tell me, you have to create this you have to create that and go to these events and be this person in this type of way when like I can just do what I want to do and I can support myself and not ever have to be like oh well that funding's gone that funding's gone and it's like there's so many kids growing up where their parents like their parents fund like I never I got my skis for Christmas I got my boots for Christmas like I definitely had help but it wasn't like Oh, skiing and like your ski pass. That's like, a. that's like what you need. So we're going to get you this You boots. That's what you need. It was something where I always had to like, free, like park crew for my pass or something like that to where I didn't have to rely on anybody. And I don't like to rely on other people to like live life.
0: Yeah. I mean, dude, that's interesting that you took it like immediately to the ski space. Cause there's tons of people who show up to a job. They hate make Excel spreadsheets all day, send some emails mm-hmm. and then go home, you know, like it's just the life that that you're living right now. I feel like it's what a lot of people in the back of their mind, they're like, "Oh yeah, one day I'm just gonna quit my job, <laughs> and like just buy an RV and just live off the live off the map." So realistically, how difficult is it doing that?
1: I like it's it's hard because in some ways there are things you just don't even think about going into that life this lifestyle like like I like I don't even know what to tell you and what not to tell you but like I didn't like I definitely knew it wasn't going to be easy but now that I'm here and I it's not really that hard maybe saving future and like having savings and stuff like that that might be a thing I need to figure out down the line but like being able to fully support myself is a pretty amazing feeling to be able to do what I'm doing and I don't know, not worry too much. Like I know, Oh, once the money is gone, I need to get a job. But it's like, when I'm making money, it's real easy for me to be like, Oh, this money, this is going straight towards skiing. So like, don't spend this.
0: Yeah. So in terms of like logistics, let's break down like what goes into living in an RV. So where do you park the RV?
1: Anywhere that is as cheap as I can get it.
0: Okay. So you do have to pay to park
1: like I mean when I'm moving in the winter time I just do ski resort parking lots so that's free Walmart's free Home Depot's free a lot of places are free
0: (laughs) yeah and then like when you're working during the summer and like you're tied to one specific place what's your what's your game plan for that
1: um there's a lot of people I know working kind of in the construction zone that have a lots of land or like a lot of people on the west coast have like that big extra driveway because everybody has an RV or a travel trailer so it's really not that hard like I've done where I redid a deck for a lady for like a week and she's just like yeah just park where my old RV used to be you can (laughs) plug in and everything like it's when you just talk to people and like it have kind of more of a tight thing it's real easy to just be like hey can I park my small RV next to your house or something like that and yeah. most people are cool with it. A lot of people are intrigued the second I say I live in an RV as a 24 year
0: old. Yeah, dude, it is super, it is super intriguing. So <laughs> do you have, um, I mean, I see that you have electricity running right now. So do you run on hookups? Like, do you have running water and like, internet? And like, what, like, what, what creature uh, comforts do you have in there?
1: So I installed a solar system on this RV. So most of the time when I'm mobile, I can be parked in a parking lot somewhere for a couple days before i have to like use a generator or start the rv or anything so powering electronics computers stuff like that is very easy cooking food i have a propane stove so just making sure i don't run out of propane stuff like that internet i uh, my family has xfinity so xfinity hotspots are everywhere most of the big cities or ski towns are pretty fancy so a lot of them have Xfinity, stuff like that. I have AT&T hotspots. So whenever I get to use that for a little bit until I run out of that. So it's just like kind of jumping around doing what I need to do.
0: Yeah. And so in terms of like um, startup cost, like say tomorrow I wanted to quit my job and and like do exa- like exactly what you're doing right now. How much money would I need to like get this whole, get your exact same setup going and and, and get all that figured out?
1: If you had a friend, or if you had me to talk to, like show you an RV, like this is good or not good, you can find some pretty reliable RVs. My first RV lasted me only a year and a half, but it was eighty two hundred dollars. So I would say like five to seven seventy five hundred dollars, or yeah, five thousand to seventy five hundred dollars yeah. is probably a good start just for like a solid vehicle. I wouldn't go like this one. I had to take out a loan for. So I wouldn't do that off the bat just to see how you like the lifestyle. Cause I know a lot of people that have bought in vans or RVs and around like a couple months are like, I hate this. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't like, I would say like $8,000 total to
0: start. And then what are your monthly expenses for? Like, do you, do you have insurance for it? I
1: have insurance. It's I think 180 bucks a month for six months of the year. Uh Uh-huh. So like twelve hundred a year, hundred bucks a month, total.
0: Dude, and then and then just food after that.
1: Yep, food and gas.
0: Wow, dude, that is such a like when you break it down like that. Most people that have a have a regular you know average Joe job could easily just like boom, I'm gone. See you in a year. Yeah, just living I want to say
1: I want to say my like normal living. Like when I get to a city, like it's so, it's literally just food and like maybe a hundred bucks a month for gas if I'm, cause I like, I'll just every now and then move to another homie's house a mile away. So it's just like, it's not that hard.
0: And so what are you doing for gear at this point? Because I mean, you're surrounded by skiing all the time. So I'm sure you've picked up some sponsors Mm -hmm. along the way, or at least some people to flow you some product.
1: Yeah. Tall T's always been a big supporter of mine. They, I, that's like all I have for clothes so i'm pretty <laughs> stoked to have them back in me um tall are in deviation skis they've definitely kept skis on my feet which i can't thank them enough um super small company but we're getting there we're getting yeah. there and then syndicate is what my buddy derek just started and it's a pant company so if you need pants syndicate
0: that's the way to go so when i hear deviation i immediately think lupe so so was he your was your connection into it or what did you find your way there some other way
1: actually i got him into deviation hey
0: the old (laughs) switcheroo
1: so yeah like crazy story the that year that i moved out to oregon went to spring pass and stayed uh the sales manager of deviation at the time hit me up on instagram was just like hey we're looking for skiers. We're in Portland. So if you want to ever come check out the warehouse and I was like sick, but like, I don't want just skis. It's got to be more than just, I want skis and that's it. Like I want to be involved. So I went to the factory and yeah, I just saw how small it was and how much everybody was, you know, talking and figuring stuff out. And it just seemed like a fit and yeah. I've been with them for, this is going to, going to be my fourth winter,
0: Dude. That's so awesome. And so what, so what was like the agreement you made with them? Cause I, so, so they give you products. What did, what did they expect in return from you?
1: Just videos and content for social media at the time. And then the next year after that, we, they were planning this big demo tour as a small company with like everything being made in the US they wanted to kind of branch out so they did this I think it was like 9,000 miles and 30 some resorts or something like that some demo trip and they were like counting it out to see how much it would be with all the hotels and stuff and they were just like this is not feasible and I was like well I'm really good friends with the sales manager so like why don't we just take my RV you guys pay gas and everything and we just go and they were like, oh, sure, like, why not? Like, that's going to that literally cut, like, the uh, trip cost in half. So, of course, they said yes,
0: and we did that. Dude, that's, yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge thing to be able to offer a company. Be like, yeah, I literally only need gas money. Like, yeah. not even on some, like, traveling circus. Like, we need gas money and like money for motels you're like yeah i could actually just stay in this rv 24 7
1: yep it was yeah we did 9,000 miles i think there was like only 30 some resorts that we demoed at but i that winter i hit 40 some plus resorts yeah it was crazy and it was all every gas food everything was paid for
0: yeah and what was that like for you man like seeing all those resorts coming from the east coast was it just like (laughs) a whole new world that you were being exposed to
1: it was definitely like absolutely amazing like I think the only other resort outside of the east coast I went to like before this was hood and park city and copper so then to see all these resorts that aren't like epic or icon resorts these smaller resorts was definitely very eye-opening
0: yeah so what were like some of the the high points and low points on that trip because I can't imagine that like every day is perfect you know you go to <laughs> some little podunk mountain and it's shitty weather and you're like damn this isn't this um, isn't super rad
1: low points definitely when you showed up at a resort and they had like one rail that was so bad and then it was also some of the worst weather i think there was one resort in washington that I skied one lap and just went back to the RV and I was like there's you can't see anything there's there was one rail in and I was just like I'm not gonna like I don't know I didn't feel like skiing that day it was towards the end of the trip and I was just like this ain't
0: happening (laughs) (laughs) oh man and so like I mean from that trip what were some of the points that stuck out to you where you're just like looking around and you're like there's literally nothing on earth I'd rather be doing right now The smallest
1: resort we went to was by far my favorite resort. Yes, it was was like, with within the first hour, I knew every liftie's name. I like the lady that came and gave us lift tickets. Like, she was just like, oh, like anything you guys need, like let us know. And like we went to the bar after skiing, and they like, like we had the deviation card like to buy it. Like they were like, no, like here, here. And like it was the craziest thing because when we were at this resort. They told us not to tag them in any of the social media, anything, because they didn't want to blow up. They don't, like their motto as a ski resort is same as it ever was.
0: <laughs> I it's love that. One,
1: one lift resort.
0: Yeah. And so did you get a, ton, a bunch of kids out there riding with you? Or was it, was it?
1: It was so sick. It was all like, it was just one lift. There's like eight to 10 trails. They actually have some really amazing cat skiing off the back but it was too early in the season for that, but right down underneath the lift is just this huge rock, like, area, so that, and it didn't snow a whole lot, so, like, there's all these really sharp jump takeoffs, and just, like, all these jumps staggered all over the mountain, right under the lift, and, like, by the end of the day, I had, like, 10 kids following the exact line I did, doing, like, little 360s, like, just jumping and slamming but just like laughing their asses off and I just thought like I was just like dang like that would have been me
0: yeah and so when did you uh when did you get Lupe in the fold with deviation
1: uh it would have been after the spring pass that I met him we kind of stayed in touch and linked up when I was back in Summit County and I think it came down to SIA or something I was like yeah like you should just come check out the booth like you can meet the owner like yeah and i got him to come over and he talked to them and from there it was history
0: yeah and so i mean you guys are are seems like you're pretty tight now did you uh, i think from what i saw on online you guys were like surfing down in uh in mexico uh, for a while yep. so like so what's that side of you like the like you're not even just a ski bum you're like a surf bum too
1: I like, I like anything that can get me to where I'm in the zone where I don't think about anything, anything that that relates to that feeling of skiing I like I'm so down for. Yeah. And it's just like to stay fresh, you know, like five, six years of skiing, like over 200, like not quite 200, but I would say at least five years of like 160 plus days skiing. Like that's, I don't want to get burned out.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think
1: I will, but I just like, it's sick to learn something new and like, a lot of people skateboard and I'm not the greatest skateboarder and I hate slamming on concrete so surfing to me is a lot lot safer
0: yeah and when did you get into that because there's definitely no surfing out in Pennsylvania
1: I want to say th- three summers ago me and Lupe bought wetsuits on the Oregon coast
0: and we yeah we both picked it up and was it did it translate easily from skiing or was it just a whole <laughs> new beast not really I think it would have been
1: if I kept with snowboarding a little more I would have done better but It wasn't that, like, it was kind of related a little bit more to skateboarding, but it definitely took a while
0: a couple weeks.
1: And there was this one big one month surf trip that we went on where I think that's where I like, if you just got it day after day, hit it hard until you understand it.
0: Yeah. Dude, I mean, to show you my level of knowledge on surfing, I literally just learned the other day from TikTok that the wax on the board is so your feet stick like so you it's sticky on the top dude it's like I, th- I always thought the wax one on the bottom of the board for some reason but it's like oh grip, it's God. like grip tape for the surfboard I had no idea
1: oh, I, I, I learned that the hard way as a kid too me and my brother got a skimboard and we put the wax on the bottom
0: yeah bro so so it seems like there's a lot to learn for surfing I've tried it like a couple times and dude just could not get the hang of it it was we were doing it on like we were basically just like surfing the foam you know like just super like super light stuff but um damn like what was this what was this trip all about with you and lupe how'd you guys get down there and like
1: it was kind of just celebrating x games and just celebrating like the crate like it was such a crazy winter i'm like i it's so hard to look back and be like dang that really happened but yeah we were just down in mexico celebrating having a good time surfing catching waves
0: did you drive down in the rv or did you or did you finally get on the plane
1: me and owen were like planning out this huge like four or five thousand miles like road trip and then we were just like let's just fly let's just do it (laughs) because lupe actually flew down and he was down there for like three months and we only came and linked up for a month yeah dude only a
0: month that's still a pretty decent amount of time
1: oh yeah it's unreal
0: yeah so so what was your day-to-day like there because i mean it seems like your lifestyle would translate pretty well to just surfing every day so was it was it basically same thing except you know it's hot out instead of cold
1: yeah made it a whole lot easier to just chill didn't have like it's cr- like yeah it i i could see myself definitely when i get older and can't ski anymore which hopefully that's a very long time but I could definitely see the transition to a surf bomb for sure.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, it seems like a pretty, it, I would honestly probably lean towards the surf lifestyle just because you don't have to deal with the elements at all. Like, is there an, is there like an element of, do you ever feel like, oh damn, I'm in an RV right now in a pretty bad storm or like, oh shit, what if I break down right now? Are you ever nervous about like having to deal with the winters or is it at this point, you're pretty confident that you could handle whatever's going on?
1: winters I'm pretty confident I have a bunch like I have two generators I have a solar I have backup propane heater that uses no batteries like I have a bunch of stuff that I like I've definitely gone through times where like I'll oh, ran out of propane I'm fucking freezing yeah. stuff like that so like you learn over the years for sure
0: yeah I mean what were some of the tougher lessons that you had to learn living in the RV were there any moments where you like damn I messed this up bad you know like didn't take care of the rv or like just didn't plan properly like was there a sharp learning curve other than at (laughs) first
1: it just being like propane and like batteries are like not buying the right like solar batteries so like they just didn't hold charges or like died too early other than that it was nothing big until my first rv blew up on me going over a pass in colorado and i was stranded on the side of the road and i was just like shit like what do i do and i ended up just like freaking flooring it turning the key on it started i just threw it in drive with the pedal to the floor and it started moving and i made it a few miles to this small town of gunnison colorado which is actually like the coldest place in the continental united states in the middle of winter so i was like freezing my ass off at this tow yard trying to figure out if i could get my rv fixed or if it was totaled or what like i Literally, whatever someone said, I, like that's how I was living. Like, I was living in this garage for like a couple days, just researching RVs, seeing if I could afford a new one. It was like two grand more for a new engine than I paid for the RV. So I was just like, if I'm going to do this, I'm like, I was basically committing to the RV life at that point. I was like, I'm just going to take out a loan and get a new RV. Like, I want to do this, but I just want to do it right this time. And yeah, that was, it was, that was probably one of the craziest weeks of my life.
0: And so after that, like you're in the RV now that you got after that emergency. Yep. Do you have a name yeah. for your RV?
1: Um, it's just the Thor Ace. So I just call it the Ace.
0: Oh, hell yeah. That's I like that name, dude. That's pretty yeah. cool. Some people, sometimes I'll
1: call it the r v but <laughs>
0: yeah you could like paint the outside of it you know like make give it a real character that's that's what
1: i did like my my first rv i like redid so much of it and that like that was the like learning aspect i needed when i went to buy this rv like what i needed what i could go without
0: yeah and so do you have an emergency fund saved up that you just don't touch unless it goes wrong or are you just riding the (laughs) lightning and you're like if it all falls apart it all falls apart
1: I would like to say I do, but I ha- I definitely have a small cash reserve saved, but it's like, I like, I wouldn't, if I went to the hospital, that would be gone in a second.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn, dude. It's just like, yeah, you'd live in a super, super different lifestyle. I just, I think it's like, it's just fascinating. Do you make any money from skiing or is it only very, very of- little, very yeah. little,
1: Yeah. And whatever I do, it's, if, if it's anything, it's usually travel stuff. So it goes right back to skiing.
0: Yeah. Damn, bro. So looking at like, um, some of the business ventures in skiing, are you involved in the startup of, of syndicate or are you just one of their riders?
1: I'm just a rider helping Mm -hmm. Derek. I talked to him briefly about possibly throwing some money in to get involved with that, but he is very keen on doing it himself, which by all means got like he's killing it so and i back him 100%.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So, i mean, we're kind of like getting close to to modern day what you're up to now. So, what's going on with the Mill Bastards and what have you guys been up to? And maybe um, even a little bit of background about who you guys are.
1: It's just another crew of dudes. Some of them are leeched over from the Steam Boys and another bunch of kids is just kids we met in salt lake and mill creek area so it's kind of just like i honestly couldn't even tell you how many homies are involved it's just like this big thing where everybody's involved and we're just a crew of kids there's like a house where like most of everybody goes and hangs out after skiing and stuff like that which is mostly owen's house because everybody wants to go watch their clips (laughs) so it kind of just turned into this thing like mill creek and then mills if you know weed and tobacco so like mill bastards it just became a thing i i honestly i couldn't tell you who came up with the name but i know mikey guzmano has done a lot of the logos and sticker stuff that i've been making so
0: yeah and so what's up with this with this most recent project i mean it's pretty big deal you guys are doing premieres and you're doing the whole uh you know it's it's almost like a throwback at this point to do a movie premiere but but you guys are making it work so so what's going on we
1: we, oh it's crazy going along with like help like lupe's big x games thing there was like a bunch of us that kind of helped him with that so we were just there to also hit features and stuff like that and he would help us with our features and we'd help him with his so it was kind of just back and forth but yeah there was like jed blue waters tyler snowski Logan, Reese Rule like just a bunch of homies met up along the way of that big trip and we just got a whole bunch of clips and we were just like let's make something and then us just like just basically starting the Mill Bastards crew we were like Mill Bastards movie like let's go and yeah everybody just started stacking clips and we kind of like Owen and Gucci went back through all the film and was just like yo we have something here yeah
0: yeah So it's just made up of extra clips from the past year. It wasn't even like intentional.
1: Like it, we are definitely like filming for something, but like, like some of the kids, I mean, it's just such a loose crew of like, who's in it. Who's not like, nobody's really not in it, but it's like, if you want to be come get clips with us, like that, like, that's really what it is. Like if you were left out of the movie, it's because you didn't come get clips. That's really all it is
0: yeah like no one's, one's excluded like, you're just like, yeah no one's
1: excluded if you want to come bust your ass and get clips and throw down
0: yeah you're
1: welcome.
0: everyone's and, a mill, everyone's a mill bastard at heart you just yeah, gonna and show I mean, up we're,
1: we're also a group of friends so it's kind of just like yo let's go get a clip or let's help you get a clip like let's do this we can all make something sick
0: yeah uh, do you think that like because skiing's definitely changed a lot you know so do you think that you guys are are holding on to something from the past, or are you, are you doing something new?
1: I don't think it's new, because there's always been crews hitting urban and stuff like that, and, like, I, I remember, I'm not the greatest at, like, because it wasn't until 14 when I got into skiing, so, like, the super old stuff, I, I, and my memory is not the greatest, so I can't, but I just remember this one point in time where, like, you'd see the same skier in like six different cruise movies or five, like a bunch of different movies. And it's just like, cause skiing was so small tight knit and it's definitely grown to a bigger thing. It's still like a core thing at the end of the day, like to know like names and stuff like that. But, so I don't, wouldn't say we're doing anything new. We're trying to keep what's dying alive is what I would say.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that's totally the same impression that I get, you know? And I think, I think like the, the only new territory that skiing's kind of moving into is that the the crew of skiers is also the production company now. Like, I feel like the days of of a production company quote-unquote hiring talent for their movies is kind of going away. And now it's like the skiers make their own crew, finance their own movie, and then release it themselves rather than going through a company.
1: Yeah, if you go through a company, there's some sort of huge money involved. (laughs)
0: yeah i mean now that level one's done i don't even watch like any of the big the big productions like if stepped was still making movies i'd watch that but like like (laughs) i I don't know if you'd catch me watching like a tgr movie even though like i know that some of the step guys are still riding in those and i would love to see that it's just i can't can't bring myself not the same dude it's just not the same yeah i mean so and that was my like other other question that i had for you now that you're fully embedded in the ski industry is it what you thought it was when you were growing up or have you seen have like now that you're inside it you see it see it differently
1: it's definitely not a hundred percent what I always thought and pictured of it there's definitely some things that like you're just like dang it's really that way or it's like it's it's like that sometimes because there are definitely like crews out there like, people out there that are definitely, like, clicky or just, like, like, I don't know. There's definitely people out there that just suck, and there are also people out there that are awesome, and I like to stay around the awesome people that aren't about themselves and are about skiing more than anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, what were, like, you don't have to call anyone out, but, like, what were some experiences where you were, like, oh, damn, like, not everyone's super friendly and super stoked on this? Like, there's kind of people... There's kind of assholes that are doing this.
1: It's not really that is the big thing. It's just like when you from the crazy pros that I have gotten to hang out with that I used to grow up watching movies and like never thought I would like hang out with them or know them on a day to day basis or anything like that. Learning stuff from them where it's like you looked up to this other skier that they know very well where they're like, yeah, like this person doesn't make any money. And you're just like, what? Like, I remember watching that dude in all these movies and you're like, yeah, well, he like, and they're just like, yeah, they might've made money then. But like, right now, like they don't, aren't making any money through their sponsors and like their sponsors are using them as such big names still. So like, to me, that, that was one of the things when I was kind of coming out West, where I was like, don't worry about sponsors or anything. Like, just if you can fund yourself, just do it. Yeah, cuz it's just like I like I don't know. I've never had a manager. I've never like getting into that whole business side of it all like I was just a kid going to my little ski resort to go skiing and have fun and make videos and if people loved them and liked them and commented that I would respond and I would build off of that and make cooler stuff.
0: That's yeah. That's all it really was. Dude, I think that's been surprising for me too. Like just the the complete lack of money in the industry is crazy like it, there's just no money dude there's just straight up like why, or there is there's some money but it's not it's not where does it go widespread. like
1: that's the thing like i as and it's crazy because like from the people i've talked to i'm just like nobody like as writers none of them know where like nobody knows where the like money's at it's why like everyone's like oh there's no money in the industry but like i i i don't know shit's expensive i don't see where like how there isn't but it's just where is it going and like i don't know it's weird it's definitely yeah because it's like surfing like i i got a 400 surfboard and that's it like i spend way more that like like i've bought boots for myself like i've bought and bought, like i bought look pivots for this year like
0: yeah dude and just skiing is just not cheap whatsoever but you almost wonder like what the profit margins are for these companies that are selling skis you know, like maybe they're just wicked expensive to produce too. So even though they're selling them for a lot, maybe they're not even making a ton of money. I, I don't know. I personally think that there's a, how would you describe it? There's already a standard of not paying athletes. So why would, why would a company willingly pay, pay athletes more, you know?
1: Yes. Especially with the whole social media and like spreading the money out over multiple influencers it's definitely, even if it was small, it's definitely smaller or getting spread thin.
0: Yeah. So do you see people like in in your circles or like in circles that you're familiar with that are like, yeah, dude, I'm just going to throw it in. There's just not, I just can't afford to be a skier full-time anymore. Are you seeing that happen? Definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Um, and there's like, there's some really close friends of mine that I'm just like, What's it gonna be like are you gonna be around the crew in like two or three years? Like where like where's your head at? Like and it's like ah everybody thinks that, so it's like even if you've thought that once in your life, like that's not a bad thing. I've definitely I've thought a million different things as someone who lives in an RV, like definitely being a surfer would be way warmer and way cheaper, but I just can't get over the fact that I love skiing and yeah, that's what I wanna do.
0: Yeah. Man, it's like, I think that is, um, like, I think that is one of the biggest barriers to entry for people like, like we already talked about it. It's not expensive to live in a, and live in an RV and just, you know, go skiing all the time, but it's, it's the other side of it. It's like making money to support yeah. the lifestyle with a, like with a job that's conducive to taking a ton of time off. Like, how do you do that without doing construction or doing manual labor? It's like it just it doesn't seem like it, it's possible.
1: I think there, are, I think it all becomes comes down to the person. I feel like there are so many reasons to why I am the way I am, and like, I feel like if someone wanted to be a freaking mountain biker or a tennis player, like, really anything, you could be a gamer and live in a van. Like, I feel like if there's a way, if you want to do it badly enough, you can learn. You're gonna have to give up some things, but if you just do what you want to do and you support like as soon as I decided to go skiing like and people heard my story when people would ask where I'm from and like me being like just like some random kid like I'm just like oh how do I explain it and then it's just like oh I live in an RV and it's just like if you can do it and you can figure out a way to do it just go for it and the money will follow and the connections you'll make are better than anything you possibly like I just the people I've met, I couldn't pay for those relationships. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Dude, what an interesting life, man. Do you, so do you, how far into the future do you, th- do you like plan your life? Like, you know, it's hard to have a wife and kids living in a van, you know, like, do you think yeah. that one day the party's going to be over or do you just, you just take it one year at a time?
1: I have definitely at 24, I've started to think about those things a little more, but I like, I've gotten into like, I've started looking into sailboats and stuff like that. Like, I like, to me, I just want to be able to like, be free and to be travel. Like, I like, I don't see myself ever quitting skiing. But if it came down to the point where I can't ski anymore, like, I'm not gonna cry and crawl up into a ball and just live in my dark little RV on some property, like, I'm gonna go do something else that's sick. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna just sit around like,
0: so what does what does free mean to you because i feel it seems like that's the that's the crux of like what's
1: not relying on on other people Mm -hmm. that's the like big like i don't know like living on a farm or a ranch has always seemed really cool to me or like just having that sustainable lifestyle or like going on youtube and looking up like sustainable house in the middle of nowhere or some shit like that like it'd just be cool if i had a compound somewhere or like enough room for my friends to come hang out and we could just do whatever we wanted
0: so being on the move isn't it as important to you as just not being beholden to somebody else no like I I could go couch
1: like I don't need an RV I could go couch surf all I wanted but I just don't want to be in other people's way and I don't want to have to rely on uh, like the kids I'd be staying with are my age like I understand if I'm getting to be too much somewhere like yeah I also like being with my friends like I I'm a very social person I don't like being alone but I don't like being with at crazy parties like I like a small party group of friends you can get to know each other
0: yeah dude I'm, I'm kind of the same way in that regard I've always you know I come from a small town so I've always liked having just like tight friends like oh, I'm still friends with all my all my high school buddies like you know you've been around those people for years and years and years It's just like there's something about having those tight relationships that for me personally is better than like going to a party surrounded by a bunch of people you like you don't know obviously that's interesting at times yeah. but uh it's just not the same it's just not the uh, same dude
1: oh
0: uh... dude um i mean yeah is there anything is there anything you feel like we haven't covered that's like into your lifestyle are you huge on reading are you like are you what are you what are you doing like when you're not skiing and you're not around friends like what occupies your time
1: um I don't read a whole lot um I have I'm dyslexic but then I've also had a bunch of concussions over the years so I mean if you want to talk about concussions I'd like love to talk about that to get that out there like I know that's becoming more and more of a thing and for any kids dealing with stuff like that I de- like I definitely would love to share that
0: Yeah dude I mean that's got to be a scary experience I've never had a concussion but I think like I always wear a helmet cuz I think that like messing with your noggin is um, probably one of the scariest things the scariest injuries that you could have so like tell your journey with that cuz I'm sure there's some kids going through that right now that are super freaked out and like worried about it
1: Yeah I've had I've had 11 or I, I honestly can tell you I'm definitely over 10 concussions now where at least eight of them I don't remember at all what happened and that seems to be uh yeah like memory loss has been like the biggest thing for me from that just like I remember my first concussion I ever had I was just riding a little dirt bike at my cabin my dad was working and we to this day neither of us know what happened I all we know is I guess I wrecked my motorcycle but I got up Put it away, everything was fine. And then I just, the like quick little glimpse of memory that I have is we got in the car and on the way home, I just started asking, Where are we going? What are we doing? And then I woke up at home. And like, we to this day have no idea what happened or anything like that. And then I think in five years, I had four more. And then I had another couple. And then it's been like three years. To the dot this last february i had my last, last one mm-hmm. and it was just cruising a day at brighton and i just was doing backflips on the last jump and i was just said screw it and was going to do backflip on all three or something like that and i caught my tips on the first one and just didn't even get my hands up and i woke up at lupe's house in his bed like the next day or yeah like the whole next day and i just like wake up and i'm like in a room and i'm just like I like I live in an RV like this isn't this isn't my room and yeah like I guess I hit my head and I had to get an ambulance to the hospital and it's crazy because I'm totally coherent I my memory's just gone like I'll be in a loop just like what are we doing today like I was in a loop like that for like a whole day just hanging out at Lupe's house and they were just like checking on me keeping me good but just like i the like when i was younger and i got a bunch of those like i never like all that you were told from the doctors was like be in a dark room no screens don't sleep and just do nothing and as a kid with adhd like i i always watched movies i couldn't i couldn't just sit somewhere so like i definitely watched more mellow movies and stuff like that but i would just lay and most of the time i would sleep and like all the doctors are just like dude that's not good because if you don't wake up, or like, people don't know when you're awake, or if you're unconscious or not, so like, I definitely had to make sure people were looking after me whenever I was sleeping, but yeah, just like, wild to have nothing other than like, memory loss at the time, and then like, I can see over the years, and over the amount of concussions I've had, I've definitely started to get some memory loss, where I'm horrible with names. I'm really good at faces, but I'm so bad at remembering someone's name that they literally just told me. But like, I can remember the craziest little details from like a family trip when I was like, four or something like that. So it's such a wild thing to have. And like, I know hitting your head is not good. But then it's just like some people that I know have had one concussion, and then they have migraines for months and months. And I'm just like, I've always felt lucky to where I never took it serious. And then I feel like after this one with like me sitting and being out for like almost a whole week and just like seeing what my friends had to do to like keep me occupied. And like, I was asking them the same five questions every two minutes. I could see how annoying that would get. And just like, probably scared the shit out of my parents. You know, they're back home in Pennsylvania. I'm in Utah. And they're like, I don't remember anything. Yeah. I didn't remember I had a
0: girlfriend at the time. I didn't like it was wild. I mean, has any have any of those experiences scared you into wanting to wear a helmet? It's crazy. Like it's wild
1: because no not like it hasn't until recently. But most like I want to say 7 of like a majority of the concussions I've had full face motocross helmets on.
0: Yeah, so so it's like it has like after a certain a
1: amount of concussions like you're Brain is gonna bounce inside your head. It's like having a can of goods, like, and you shake the can, you feel the stuff on the inside shake. So it's just like at this point, I'm gonna get concussions no matter what. If you watch the mo Bastards movie, there are a few clips where I did have a helmet on. So I'm definitely leaning more towards helmets now. Just like listening to a bunch of podcasts about concussions and just like how some people have these such severe things after one hit to the head, and I'm just like, I like. I used to always look up to Travis Pastrana, like he's got 30 plus concussions and look at him.
0: Yeah. He's still, he's still with it for the most part.
1: Yeah. I mean, at least that's what we see.
0: Yeah. You never know, dude. You, and you also never know like the, the downstream effects of it.
1: Yeah. But like, that's I, thinking,
0: I, that's thinking years and years into the future potentially. Yeah. You know? that
1: Like that's another thing that scared me was the whole like Will Smith movie with CTE and the football players and stuff like that, where I'm just like, dang, like that could be a possibility in the future but I don't really like that doesn't really like I never stay thinking about that because I don't know life's great
0: <laughs> yeah dude that is it that is an interesting that's a definitely a different perspective on the concussions
1: yeah it's it's definitely just what like I just feel super lucky
0: mm-hmm. but like just gotta be careful man
1: yeah no definitely and like it was just this crazy thing that stemmed from like always watching people put their arms out skating and just breaking arms. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I would just like roll up into a ball and then I'd hit my head.
0: Yeah. Like take it on the shoulder. Yeah. Dude. So like,
1: I'd rather break arms now, but
0: yeah. So, all right. we'll uh, that, so I'm, gl- I'm glad you did bring that up though. Cause I, I would have had no idea that you, that you've had that much experience with the concussions. Um, I did save one question for the very end. If you got nothing else, so you've like lived out the childhood dream of being a ski bum, you know? And a lot of, a lot of like that's a dream of a lot of adults still. So what's like the, the things that you've experienced, what's like the bucket list that you think that all skiers should experience before they're done riding? And just based on the experiences you've had so far. And I was inspired to ask this question based off your Illumination Rock post. Cause that is like firmly on my bucket list. now. (laughs) I was going to say number one,
1: it's just hard. Like for me, my number one is if you, if you want to be in the industry, go to spring pass, but it's like also hard to say that because I feel like it's slowly dying a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, wherever that big scene is go to that and immerse yourself and, the people you'll meet, like it doesn't matter who like it doesn't matter who you are, you'll find a crew. You'll find people. Skiing brings so many people from all over the world and so many different places and backgrounds that you can find that crew because it's such a small knit group that you would like, if you don't meet that person, I bet you you'll meet someone who knows that person. Number two, park city at this point like park city or brighton like that's at least where the scene is now but just like i don't know one of the things i would say if you're a skier and you my bucket list is go to canada revel stoke was unreal white water was unreal panorama mountain was pretty sick as well but just like I, I would just ski in as many different places as possible. Like I'm looking for, I'm trying to get out to Europe. This whole COVID thing's kind of crazy right now, but the past two years I've been trying to figure out a way to bum it in Europe or bum it some foreign place. So when stuff starts opening, hopefully I can get out there.
0: Yeah. So and then, so that's what also I was going to ask. So what's next? You're trying to get out to Europe and trying to get overseas to ski a bit.
1: I would, I would love to. And the, Like if I could figure out a way to get a van or a rig out there, I would love to keep kind of doing the ski bum thing. Cause I know some European countries that's more accepted than the States, even though I've never run into problems in the States.
0: Yeah. Everything's different driving abroad, you know?
1: Yeah, And that's just like, I, the last time I've been out of the country other than Canada and like Mexico was Australia as a five-year-old. Oh, wow. So it's been
0: a long, it's been your whole life basically
1: yeah so like i yeah i've yeah haven't skied anywhere other than north america and and canada so
0: yeah so maybe we'll see mill bastards in europe maybe that's what's next
1: honestly i've been talking to owen after seeing all the sick movies that came out from the euro boys this year like we've definitely we're talking about it
0: hell yeah so so we'll leave it with that we'll leave it with a little (laughs) teaser of something that might be in the future so ryan Thank you very much for coming on. It was dope getting to talk to you, and you definitely got a completely different perspective from anyone I've talked to so far.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. One very last important thing I just wanted to mention, Mill Bastard movie, greatest hits collection, Salt Lake City premiere, November 14th at the Clubhouse. It's going to be sick. Tall T sponsored it. Deviation Works sponsored it. It's going to be a great time. We got a few short movies planned before, Ending it on the Mill Bastard movie. It's gonna be a sick event. Just getting everybody hyped for winter. Everybody pray for snow and be at the Mill Bastard premiere November 14th, the clubhouse. Peace!